Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Jonah chapter 2. Find ourselves in this narrative about this disobedient prophet. We come to a turning point in his own soul. I titled today's sermon, Getting Right with God. Let me start by reading our passage just so it is to settle in our minds as we continue to Look to the word of God and trying to understand his grace, his forgiveness in the heart of a wayward sinner. Starting in verse 17 of chapter 1, I just want to read there, as we saw last week, that actually starts chapter 2 for us in the Hebrew Bible. It reads there, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had... Cast me into the deep, into the the heart of the seas. And the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Let us pray. Father, we come to you desiring to not only understand you, but to delight in you your grace and your mercy and how far you run even towards the disobedient. 
It's remarkable. How you, in the midst of, of life and situation and, and in your sovereign control of, of all things, you, you draw us to, to you. You strip away all things that we undergird ourselves by our own power. And what is left is far greater than what we have built. Because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of that, we, we come with desire not only to look at Jonah's narrative, but to, to see our own life and to apply the importance of what it means to be in your presence. To be under the word and to be able to live in the power of the Spirit. Father, help your shepherd. He needs to be strengthened. He needs your help. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who has given us hope, who has redeemed us. We pray in his name. Amen. Now, as we pick up our study, we've been going verse by verse trying to, to unfold the heart of the disobedient. And, and we understand clearly where Jonah has been. He has, has ran away from the truth of God. In his own mindset, he, he thinks that he can do better. As a matter of fact, even though God is merciful, he, Jonah, wants to determine where that mercy goes. Appreciate a truth like this because it helps us. There's blessings to be in the family of God and, and to be able to interact with this living God and, and understand that there's, there's purposes and reasons why he does what he does. That Christianity is not about you, but it's about God and his glory. And sometimes... We have to sit in the belly of a great fish to understand that. Now, as we pick up the study in Jonah, we, we saw last week a great truth that I want to continue because it flows into the heart of Jonah here. And that is that God goes to a great extent, measures, means to drive his children back to him. Especially when they are disobedient. This, of course, speaks to God's sovereignty. It speaks to his omniscience. It speaks to his, his omnipresence. The character, this is the character of God. Not only is God in control over his creation, he knows our hearts and in turn deals with our hearts. Get this, the best gives him glory. Oh, we've seen Jonah's wayward heart. We, we, we have studied in detail the, the whole idea of chapter 1. That was what it was all about. Jonah, a prophet of God, didn't like this, his office when God told him to go to Nineveh, the city, a Gentile city, and preach repentance. Jonah said, no way, and ran. Not only with his feet, but with his heart. Right? It starts here. Before it travels to our feet to, to disobey. 
I think it's easy to surmise as in our study of Jonah that in Jonah's disobedience, he found himself in a mess. By the way, hopefully you've already learned that. If not, let me help you. Disobedience often leads you to a mess. Wrong choices lead to sinful consequences, which in turn, it multiplies like rabbits. Sin begets sin. And we find ourselves what seems to be far from God. Yet you and I both know that there's no place where we can run, where we can hide, where God is not present. I was just thinking about Psalm 139. And it humbles us to think that, that we can have our sin outside the view and the vision of God. Think of the first 12 verses of that. Look to the screen. Follow along. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before, before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it, attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and show, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay a hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are a light to you. I mean, what a the psalm goes on. I mean, it's just an interaction and the reality that, that, that gives you encouragement to know that even in our disobedience, God is still present. And how foolish it is to think that, that I can get away with my disobedience. Why? Because of the character of God. Not only is he omnipresence, the ability to be anywhere at the same time doing different things. He is omniscient. He knows all things. And he is our salvation. He is our hope. And I think that's where the turning of chapter 2, where Jonah gets this. I mean, you can hear the heart of his prayer. He's in great distress. He, he, he's thinking, this is it. And yet, in the sovereignty of God, a great big fish comes up and swallows him. And he can conclude in verse 9 that salvation is from the Lord. So not only in redemption of our souls, our great God, but even in our complete disobedience to him, he is still in control. He still moves his creation in place to save, to reconcile, and bring that truth back into our minds and hearts. And that's exactly what Jonah does. In the midst of his running, he thinks about God. And he realizes how, how foolish it is. 
and we anointed. And we looked at just one verse, like I say, last week, that, and, and the whole idea of, of knowing how the Lord appointed, and he even sees that. It's remarkable to see when you look through this prayer, which turns into praise in the midst of all this, Jonah understands that the Lord is behind all of it. Even though it was the sailors who threw him overboard, he knows that it was God's hand in the midst of all this to draw him to a place where he is with himself and he relearns the truth about this great God. That was the purpose of the great big fish. It was there to display his, God's glory, his character in the life of Jonah so that we would not forget him and remember that he is in utter control of all things. Oh, it did something in the disobedient heart of Jonah. I mean, you think about the fish and Scripture tells us in context, verse 17, that, that he was there in the belly of a of a fish in the stomach of a fish for three days and three nights. I mean, God stripped away the world for him to sit in the midst of this stomach to relearn about the greatness of his God. And we'll see this as we walk through this prayer. However, I want to stress as we start out here this morning and understand we're going to go a little bit slower, the way your pastor moves. Slow. But I want to stress as we start out here this morning that we have a tendency to think that during times of crisis, God is distant or removed. And that's far from the truth. Even in our times of disobedience and sinfulness, we think God is so far removed from us that there is no way he's going to get us out of our sinful mess. We saw that with Jonah. What did he decide to do? He decided to go down the hall of the ship. The ship is breaking. Sailors are fearful. He knows even when he is thrown overboard, this is it. I mean, I think in his mind, his biography here is short-lived. It ends in chapter 1 with Jonah going to the bottom of the sea, and there is no hope. I think it's this. It's more about us when we are in the midst of our disobedience. We think that just because we have given up on God ourselves, we think that He has surely given up on us. Listen, this is what I heard this week from my niece. Where was God? calls me uncle, I'm her uncle. She goes, uncle, why didn't he stop this from happening? Why did he not stop her and save my little girl? You can just imagine the heartache. My response to her in the midst of the deepest crisis of her life is that God is not to blame here. It was the evil intentions of a sinful lady that caused her sin to fall even upon a child. And if anything, though you think God is silenced, His presence was there and ushered in this sweet little girl into His arms. 
that he holds her in his arms and is protecting her all the more so from her evil in the sinful world. This is our God who is able to take the darkest of days and and bring safety and embrace the innocence of a little girl. I mean, it makes sense to me. And I told her, it's okay. Today's not a theology lesson. In my own heart, I'm thinking, do not preach to her. Uh, You need to be there. But you also need to tell her that she's thinking wrong about God. There's a time to walk through. Yet to hold her, to allow her to cry. Often our disobedience leads us thinking that we have been abandoned by God. And that's far from the truth. For that matter, Jonah reminds us that that God's presence enables us to endure the trials we face. Even though we find ourselves and come to awakening that, that I am so disobedient and so far away from God, when I look back to Him, He is present. Jonah reminds us that God's presence enables us to endure the trials we face, even the ones we create by our own disobedience. Reminds me of a story, an illustration that that, that I came across by a gentleman by the name of Leonard Sweet. He tells of an unusual tribal custom, and it just pictures well the presence of God in the midst of even our darkest hours. He tells of this custom by saying one, one tribe of Native Americans had a u- unique practice of training their young braves. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from his family, from his parents, from the tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. And when he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods by himself all night long. Sweet points to the reality of what that would feel like. He says every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized a wild animal ready to pounce on him. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he wondered... What evil is lurking in the dark? No doubt it was a terrifying night for this young boy. And after what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. And he says, looking around, the boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of a path. And then he saw this. To his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was the boy's father. We had been there all night long. Listen, 
God is like that. He never forsakes you. He never leaves you. Even when we disobey him, he is our rock and our shield. Will he bring discipline? Sometimes we need discipline. But here's the point. He wants us to get right with, with him. We know that God is willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, we look at the story of Jonah. He's going to do whatever it takes to get Jonah's heart back and thinking rightly about him. And once we become aware of our disobedience, as Jonah does here, we renew our spiritual passions for him, right? We repent and we turn to him. And this is where I want to go with this. In, in thinking about this prayer, and there's so much going on here, and truth. In Jonah's story, we learn how to respond to God's promptings. And re return to him. And, and I think that's so important. When we, when we look at the heart of Jonah, just sharing what is going on. The reality of the presence of God in his life. And we learn some things. Through his disobedience and through his turning back to the Lord. The first thing I want to pull out and show you is, is that Jonah's return, in the midst of his running, Jonah's return knew that he had to run where the Lord was. And too often, you think about this, repentance is, is meant in all in the Greek, and when we look at that and used it in the New Testament, it's the idea of turning away 100 degrees and actually going back on the same path that I ran from him from. And ending our, myself up into his presence. I think about this in the New Testament. You think about the prodigal son. And his wandering away. And his disobedience. And taking the inheritance. And going on a road so far away from, from God. And his blessings. That he had to turn around. And he knew that was the only way back. Here we have a story of Jonah. An Old Testament prophet. Who, who, who knows better. But yet he understands that the only way back in the mighty presence of God is to repent and turn back to him. Verse 17 and chapter 1 and verse 1 of chapter 2, it sets the context for us. It says there, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Verse 1, that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. From the stomach of the fish. I mean, you think about this. God has, has stripped away everything that, that Jonah knows about the security of his own decisions, right? He's in the stomach of a fish. That's not a pleasant place to be, right? How many of you have gone fishing and gutted a fish? Doesn't smell very good. One might think, what in the world is Jonah doing in the, in the stomach? I mean, the scripture says very clearly he prayed. It was the means by which God got his attention for him to look to him. That's what I love about the scripture. There's no guessing here. Jonah prayed to the Lord 
is God. I mean, you think about the overarching theme of this and, and this call of mercy. I mean, it, it just is remarkable to think about before Jonah is sent to Nineveh to call out a city, a Gentile nation to repent, he shows Jonah mercy and grace himself. Jonah himself must experience God's mercy and grace in order to proclaim it to anybody else. And, and such is the case for you and I, right? For when you and I receive grace and mercy, it, it, it causes us all the more to understand what we're preaching about, what we are proclaiming about. When we share Christ with others, Jonah prays. And by the way, when we find ourselves in disobedience and what seems to be so far away from God, that's where we need to start. This is the place where a wayward heart needs to start. We need to get on our knees and cry out to God for repentance. Confession, yes, but repentance all the more. That's the place where our disobedience began, right? In Jonah's case, and often in our case, when we run away from, God, from the presence of God, we find ourselves just drifting away and away and away with our own desires and our own thoughts, and yet what turns us back is repentance. By the way, I, I think that word repentance gets muddled and muddy today. We're not talking about being sorry for things. Repentance has an ownership of the sin in which was committed. Repentance says, I agree with God about my sin. And it says that, that I am going to turn to the one who can forgive me and restore me. Our restoration, our ability to be right with God begins where our rebellion started, when we ran away from him, we begin, we look, and we understand that the greatest thing that my soul needs is to run to God. Often in disobedience is defined in our running from God's presence. And what reconciles us to him is running back to him. Listen, it, it only makes sense in the midst of this heartache with my family. You, you think that, that what could I have done differently? And I was trying to help her understand, listen, it's, it's not about it's not about you trying to now appease God so that he can show favor to him, that he can show favor to you. It's about repentance and running from our sin and our rebellion. Listen, when you find an awaken from your heart of disobedience, you know that the only place that is safe for you is in the presence of God. I mean, that's throughout the scriptures, right? Let me point to a text. I, I think of what, what's going on here. I mean, I understand the natural inclination of our heart is to run. We see that throughout Jonah's prayer before I get to this verse on, on repentance and confession, let me just say this. If you look at the text in verse 2, you hear the desperation of Jonah's voice. He says, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. 
I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. Verse 4. So I said I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse 7. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you. In your holy temple. Jonah knew that, that this bellowing and rolling over in the sea, that this was his, his final moments. And instead of delighting in his disobedience, he knew that the Lord was good. When Jonah was at the end of his rope, when he, he tried himself to do everything according to his self-will, he remembered who held the rope. It was God. And God often allows us to find and to see the foolishness of our own wisdom. And once we've learned that, we see the reality of his open arms as we run back to him. Inside the fish, this was what was going on. God was stripping away his pride. He removed all earthly distractions. He got his attention. He stripped away everything from Jonah. So in turn, Jonah could only see him. And then his theology kicked in. He understood the mercy and the grace and the sustaining power of his God. Jonah is the Old Testament prodigal son. He knew the way back to God. And through repentance, he's crying out to God. Just as he run and ran from God's presence, he knew the way back. He knew the way back. And this is so true for us, isn't it, beloved? When we sin, when we mess up things, when we are disobedient, when we find ourselves running from the presence of God, the thing that brings us back to Him is reversing our course, repenting, and crying out to God. Who, by the way, is the author of mercy and grace. Listen to 1 Jonah 1.9. It's up on the screen. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God we're preaching about. Jonah finally gets this. Well, you think about the end of, it, of, of his prayer. Listen to what he says in verse 9. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I mean, what turns a disobedient heart that says, I'm not going to go to Nineveh, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do everything in my own power to go the opposite way, to a place where he ends his prayer, that I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will, will pay salvation is from the Lord. And God in his kindness was, was, was just... There for Jonah, yes, it, it took a little bit of time to get Jonah back to this understanding, but, but God was faithful. God was able to awaken the heart of Jonah to this truth that God is, is his only answer. To understand that, that God is his salvation, his redemption, and his hope.
Listen, the simplicity of this is, 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 I just need to state it, right? The pastor's a rockhead. So it's one of those things where simplicity needs to come to my mind. And what I walk and push away from my study in this is that, that we need to be convinced that the best, play for us, best place for us in whatever we do is in the presence of God. The most important thing to think about in living in this world, in our personal lives, in our evangelism even, in our worship, in our corporate worship, is to be in the presence of God. All other things are secondary. Yes, I get it. There's going to be some secondary things, but understand this. The secondary things should serve the main thing. To be in His presence. To serve Him, to love Him. To delight in His goodness and kindness. I mean, this is throughout the Scriptures. Here's a list full of Scriptures of the purpose of the Christian life, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You've heard me preach about this. This is seeking the Lord first in everything in my life. Not just a Sunday morning, Wednesday thing or whatever the case may be, but a daily desire to seek God. Why? To be in his presence. I think of Jesus' response to the Pharisees. He says in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second search. The first. Our focus is Christ. Paul said it this way in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Listen, my greatest need, your greatest need is to be in the presence of a holy God. And by the way, isn't that exactly what God saw fit in his creation? That he would send Jesus for the very means to die for sinners and atone for their sin so that he can bring sinners to the presence of a holy God? This is what life is about. The desire of the Christian is, is, is the one who has repented and has put faith in Christ is to be like Moses. What do I mean? The example of Moses coming down from the mountain of Sinai that he was so bright because he was in the presence of the Lord that the people said, "Put cover up your head. Put a lampshade on your head. You're too bright. Oh, our Lord calls us to be in His presence daily, provides the means in Christ to be in His presence daily, gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to be in His presence daily. Think of Jude 24 and 25 where it says, this, Now to Him, Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. We read and study this passage and, and we just can't miss 
the merciful, the merciful nature of God to Jonah. And by the way, he extends that grace to you. Which tells me this, God is merciful to all those who call upon his name. Which in turn, when we experience that mercy, that forgiveness, that grace, it causes us to worship him alone. I mean, there's so much in the scriptures. I think of Psalm 51 where, where you get a heart of David and his repentance of, with Bathsheba. I mean, this psalm is something to, to, to look to. And, and by the way, next week we'll, we'll see not only is it important for us to, to be in the presence of the Lord, but to also to return to his word. This prayer is littered with the psalms. Psalm 18, Psalm 51. I mean, it, he reminds himself of the word of God and the significance of what it means to be in the presence of a holy God. That's what David learned as well. He says there in Psalm 51, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the, in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me, did you hear this? Do not cast me away from your presence. It's exactly what sin does. David understood that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted. I mean, there's just so much flowing from his heart and understanding that, that when he chose to do his sin, he was so far away from God's presence that he knew that the only place that he delighted and what God desired for him to be was in God's presence. And by the way, if you don't learn that, if you don't learn that the best place for you to be is in the presence of a holy God, we only need to look and remind ourselves to the great extent of what Jonah has done or what God has done with Jonah, right? You think about the sovereignty of God in creating a big fish for the right time to swallow Jonah. God, I mean, God knew what was going to happen. I don't know about you. I want to learn before I get into a belly of a great big fish. That's point one. We'll park the bus here. And it's okay. Knowing where we're at and what I want to share with you. Lord willing, we'll see this next week. And I kind of already alluded to it that it's important not only to be in His presence, but to also be in His Word. But I hope you, you grasp today's takeaway.
the application for your own soul. And maybe the best way to do that is to ask your heart this question, is there in any sense in my own life in which I am running away from God's presence? In my own mind, in my own life, I can think of many different scenarios that show themselves. I think of the unbeliever. For, for some who don't, have never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I am remarkable. It's remarkable to think about what God does and continue to bring believers into your life. You're not here by coincidence. You're here by the providence of God. And for those who are, are running from the presence of God, listen, stop your running. Stop your sinning. And run to grace and mercy. Somebody invited you. Somebody brought you here. God continues to bring people in your life to share Christ with you. The call is for you to repent, turn from your sins, and run to the presence of God through Christ Jesus. My wife and I often have this running discussion, and it's hard, it hurts our brains. We, we often talk about how many times did we hear the gospel before our heart was exposed to it, received and believed For those of you who are in his presence, keep on sharing. I think even in your own testimony, you understand the importance of continuing to proclaiming the gospel. Because in God's timing, he's able to draw a wayward sinner to him. Oh, that's the unsaved. How about the, those who are, are saved? However, you find yourself still running Maybe you're at odds with another person. Maybe you're running from your boss. Maybe you're running from your wife or your husband. You know what the Bible says. The point is, be reconciled. Get right with the co-worker. Get right with a friend. Get right with your husband. Get right with your wife. Get right with the Lord. Reconciliation, being in his presence. Or how about this? You might be feeling that, that all things are going well and, and, and you're trying to build this friendship with your neighbor and your coworker or somebody in your life and, and yet you're saying, Lord, I'm going to go at this slowly. Yet you never get to the point of calling them to Christ. You think and you reason in your own mind, and by the way, this is the world and the enemy's reasoning, that I am just going to show them Jesus without telling them Jesus. I mean, we come up with, with reason after reason why this person just needs patience and timing. Listen, when we're going down as sinners, we need rescued. And Christ is the only deliverer that can save the sinner's soul. 
I know we're a work in progress. I understand the progress of sanctification. I understand the significance of these things. But even as believers, when we see the word of God, obey. 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 So much can be pulled out of here. and Just wanting to leave it there. I, I, I just want to show you the greatness of our Lord is the fact that he does take runaways. He does take the wayward sinner and he makes them whole because he has covered them with his blood. I guess the question is, no matter where you find yourself running away from God, the answer is to repent and turn towards his presence. You only need to look to Jesus. Has you noticed that? I mean, the answer, Jesus, is sufficient for you. It is Jesus who reconciles you to a holy God who brings you into his presence. And not just now, but for eternity. And the question is, will you repent of your messed up situation and run to his presence through the Son, Jesus Christ? That's the message of hope that we share. That's the message of hope we've been sharing with my niece. Christ is sufficient. He, by the way, Jesus Christ is your only hope. Let us pray. Father, first I, I want to say thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for your grace in that. And more importantly, Father, I, my desire, your desire as we study the book of Jonah here is, is how foolish it is to take you for granted. So much so that we think that we can do a better job of our life instead of following your ways. And being in your presence. That is why it's so dear that you have given us the church. With Christ as being the head. The sweetness of the, of the corporate body of Christ that, that lifts and sustains each other. We thank you for that. Spirit, have your way with our souls. Help us to identify those things and that we are, are walking in our own power. Where we find ourselves running away from the truth of God. What's sad, Lord, is that even the so-called church is running more towards culture in this world and the prince of this world than they are running to you. Awaken our souls. Not only to that truth, but give us discernment that the blessed place to be is under you. To be in your presence is our delight. May you stamp that upon our souls. May we tell our flesh to get in line that this is the best place to be is in your presence. 
drive our, our, our Bible reading, knowing that the living word of God is able to actively teach our souls for what this presence looks like. So conform us, mold us, and in turn, may you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. We pray this in the reconciler's name. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ who, who brings the wayward home, brings the sinner to repentance, who gives the sinner hope and establish an imputed righteousness in the life of the sinner so that he may be in the presence of a holy God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.